Welcome into the lounge presented by DraftKings. The NFL Scouting Combine is coming up, and with that in mind, we brought in our guy, Cole Jackson, from just a guy watching football. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at ColeJacksonFB. Uh, make sure you follow his work on YouTube and everything he does, breaking down film. And, and Cole has become kind of our resident draft expert here, right, for the Baltimore Ravens. And uh, we're bringing him in today to kind of preview the combine and tell us some guys that we need to watch out for. Garrett's heading there. Drills start on Thursday. Garrett's going to Indy. Garrett, this Cole did your homework for you. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I was I was gonna spend today like studying up, but I was like, you know what? I can just skip that. I'll just have Cole give me all the things I need to watch out for, <laughs> and so that's that's basically my homework right here. Yep, you're welcome. I'll say it for Cole. You're welcome. <laughs> um, so Cole, just uh, you know, obviously, you know the Ravens' needs. We're gonna spend a lot of time talking about wide receiver, uh, and probably corners and whatnot. Let's let's kick it off. At wide receiver, who are some of the players at the combine you think Ravens fans should be looking out for and why? I think it's going to be a really interesting look at some of these guys because, and Daniel Jeremiah just said it uh, today that, you know, he sees this as a pretty weak wide receiver class and um, at least in the first round that is. And so I think there's a number of guys that really stand to lose and gain a lot and no one more uh, than Jackson Smith uh, in Ingba and from Ohio State because on film you don't see that kind of eye jo- eye dropping uh, explosiveness and he's been compared a lot to Justin Jefferson um, mostly because you know they were used primarily as slot receivers but they project as both being able to play inside outside um, really good root runners in college um, that's kind of been the standard go to but I don't think you see that same type of uh, athleticism on his tape and that this is where the combine is so valuable because we get those opportunities to see you know what are the athletic numbers what are the potentials of these guys and you know are they just playing slow is that something that can be developed um so it really gives you that baseline and so he really stands out as a guy that has a ton to gain if he goes out and he runs well his agility numbers are good it's just going to kind of elevate him um and really separate him from the rest of the pack well but plus, uh, plus i mean he didn't play a whole lot of football this past year so it's going to be really big for people to see him you know on the field doing stuff Exactly. And just the medicals in general, like those are always kind of the undervalued piece of, you know, sometimes we see guys drop in the draft and we're like, you know, us as fans are like, what, why? And it's a lot of that goes into those medicals, those interviews that they have, um, kind of the the hidden pieces of the combine, but are super important to draft stocks. Um, And Zay Flowers is another guy. Um, He measured in, I I wouldn't say it was disappointing. He came in at five, nine in the, uh, in the shrine bowl where he participated. Um, and I think that was a little disappointing to folks. I think the people were hoping he was kind of in the five ten, five eleven range. Um, but he's really projecting as kind of that Z outside speedster. Um, but if he goes out there and puts down, you know, a lower than a four, four forty, for example, you could see his stock then boost. And, you know, you kind of get into that. Well, can he be a guy like Devonte Smith has been for the Eagles, that type of deep threat. Um, so those are two guys that really pop um, in terms of a lot to prove, but then a couple other wide receivers that the Ravens are going to probably have their eyes on. Quentin Johnson has a, from TCU has, um, he at 6'4", he clocked a 4'4 a last spring. Um, can he break that? And you're talking about 
a big dude who plays fast, who, you know, has that insanely high upside, you know, he gives me kind of that Torrey Smith vibe of a kind of a Mm -hmm. taller wide receiver, but he can blaze. Dude, Um, that's exactly the guy that I thought with him, you know, it's, he can spin off and get some yak, but he's not like a twitchy guy, but he's, he can, he can open it up. And you you kind of see it in his uh, in his route running, like when he uses a double up re- release off the line, he plants that outside foot and cuts back inside, and it's not as fluid as you'd like to see. But then he, his acceleration is like deer like, like he just takes off, and mm-hmm. uh, that was always what I felt about Tory. You know, Tory was always a little choppy, but once he got going, people couldn't catch him, and you know, Tory became notorious um for the uh for the for the pass interferences and that's because he would just blaze by guys in corners and start to panic um so he really it reminds me of that little bit of marquis valdez scantling maybe that's just the recency bias of the playoffs but that type of z receiver that can threaten you deep and i again if he runs fast i it this is a huge opportunity for these guys last one i'll speak to on the wide receiver front is jalen hyatt um he's been i guess hyping himself up a little bit, uh, talking about how he might crack the, you know, the four twos, um, good on him. I mean, go out there and play your own card, but he, he <laughs> gained a lot of attention this year, you know, 67 catches, 1300, almost 1300 yards, 15 touchdowns. Um, he won the best wide receiver in college football award. Um, uh, so, you know, again, a ton to gain for, I guess I, I would call it a weaker wide receiver class. I think that's a fair assessment. It seems to be in line with what the experts are coming out with. But, you know, all it takes is good combines and you start seeing guys catapult. Right. That, so, I mean, the interesting thing is that, you know, right now, just talking about Daniel Jeremiah, he only has, you know, he has Jordan Addison out of USC being his top guy. And I think he had him in the top 15. Where do you have him? 12. 12. 12 yeah. to the Texans, right? And then it's it's a pretty big drop off there. He has you know a couple guys, including Quentin Johnston, uh, going you know including uh, Smith and in, Smith and Jigba uh, going right in front of the Ravens. But um, you know it, it it really doesn't seem like there's a consensus necessarily on where these guys are all going to fall. And I think the combine is going to really help sort that out. In a lot of ways, it kind of reminds me of 2019. You know, the <laughs> Ravens were the ones that picked the first wide receiver with Marquise Brown. And mm-hmm. I think, again, it was seen after the draft. You know, A.J. Brown went second round. D.K. went end of second. Yep. End of second. Yeah. Um, so, like, guys that probably we look back in a redraft now and are, like, first-round talents, of course. But, um, you know, and even Terry McLaurin was third round. Um, so, you know, it, it's always interesting, right? You kind of get called a weak wide receiver yeah. class. Guys are going late, but then you get all these number one wide receivers coming out. So yeah, if it turns out it, to be the 2019 wide receiver class, give me a, give me two or three of them. Yeah, maybe four. <laughs> maybe we can stop talking about wide receivers every draft Seriously. <laughs> Seriously. Well, that that is, I mean, that is the interesting thing about the 19 class is like they're just, there wasn't, those guys at the very top end, like in comparison to last year where a bunch of guys went early, uh, but then it ended up being a really stellar class. You know, the first one didn't come off the board until Hollywood at 25. And then you have Debo Samuel and the other guys that you just mentioned. So it is kind of interesting that if it does turn out to be that way, maybe that doesn't necessarily mean that the talent pool, like the players could end up being good. um, Even if there's not like that clear cut, this is the top 10, the guy who I feel like Ravens fans always bring up 
you know, it's like an AJ Green, you know, AJ Green 10 years ago when he was coming out in the draft. And it's like, this guy is clearly, you know, a number one type receiver. Um, and it turns out that there was a lot in that class. So, um, you know, in terms of the other position of, of need, I would say that jumps out as cornerback. Um, and that need could could alter pretty significantly based on what happens with Marcus Peters. He's a pending free agent. The Ravens bring him back. Suddenly that cornerback is not as big of a need, but if he leaves, then, then it is a big one. So who are the corners that you like? And, and could you see the Ravens go in that direction in the first round? I don't want to tease him too much because I think he's going to be out of reach for the Ravens, but Christian Gonzalez has a potential to really earn some money at this combine. Uh, I saw a report where he clocked 23.3 miles per hour in, uh, on his GPS time, which is insanely fast. And so <laughs> I think he's going to put down a really good speed at 6'2", 200. Um, that's kind of a, a bit of a theme with this corner class, a lot of bigger bodies, but athletic types. Um, so kind of like the Jimmy Smith type bodies, but they're just, these guys are getting so freakishly athletic that, right. you know, at these bigger sizes, they're putting down some insane times. Um, but I know Christian Gonzalez also had a vertical jump of 42 inches, um, which is like he has the potential to just absolutely smash the combine. Um, but a guy that I really think might be on the Ravens uh, radar and they're going to get a ton of intel from uh, their new offensive coordinator, Todd Munkin, is Kelly Ringo out of Georgia. Another guy, 6'2", 215. Um, he's a world-class junior sprinter. He ran a 10.43, 100-meter. Um, I think it was 21.18, 200-meter. So he's a legitimate 4-3 guy. And I know he hit the high 22s in the uh, in his GPS time. So that's, again, one of those guys where you're talking about ideal height, size, speed. Um, on, on his tape, it's not necessarily the most consistent. Um, you know, the instincts aren't there. He's more of an athlete playing corner right now that needs to take that step into becoming a more complete football player. Um, but you can't teach this type of athleticism with this guy. So, um, you know, he is a guy that I really think the Ravens or Ravens fans should have their eyes on because, you know, he comes in with a direct character reference, one of his coaches that would be able to provide a ton of Intel. That's a huge advantage to a team drafting. Um, another guy that I think is going to maybe be a little bit of a later pick, um, but Jacorian Bennett out of Maryland. Uh, I know there's a lot of talk about him and Rakeem Jarrett going at it in practice. Um, guys that are legitimate high 22 mile per hour GPS guys. Um, both can jump out of the gym. Uh, so I think it's going to be really interesting. And what he really showed as a senior was um, his knack for getting to the ball. He led the FBS with uh, 16 pass breakups, added three interceptions. That was actually the most by a Maryland player since Dominique Foxworth, former Raven. Oh, um, so there it is. Um, so I thought that was an interesting little number. But again, another guy and a local guy. So, you know, we always got to have our eyes on the on the turf. So uh, a guy isn't there another Maryland in. corner, though? what banks uh, yeah banks yeah, yeah banks and also a legitimate guy uh not necessarily i don't think the freak athlete that bennett is but a very very good corner in his own right probably going higher than bennett did but uh right. yeah no it, and they the terps have a lot of draftable talent this year so it's been a Let's pretty interesting terps. year Let's i know terps <laughs> <laughs> I always end up Come watching them football up here. and basketball. Let's go, Garrett. You better your Buckeyes better watch out, buddy. Yeah, I think the Buckeyes probably have a few draftable players too. Wouldn't you say that, Cole? Yeah, they got a couple probably, <laughs> especially on the offensive line. They're yeah, they're yeah. gonna have 
that uh, their offensive line last year, they're going to have all four guys starting on offense or on on NFL offensive lines. They just keep putting them out. Yeah, and and I mean, obviously the uh, the, the big one on the offensive side too is Jackson Smith and Jigba, who you just mentioned, yeah. who you know a lot of Ravens fans are hoping he lands in Baltimore as a potential. You know, if they solve that receiver uh, position, he he could be a target there potentially in the first round. So yeah, it really compliments Bateman too. So yeah, I really totally. Love that I, uh, curious question, you know, because you're someone who looks at, at the film in depth here and I want to get your take on this because when we get to the combine, this is the time of year where it's like the risers and the fallers and you're talking about it. Like how fast is Jackson Smith and Jigbo really, or how, how does this guy run? And that's the case that every NFL team wants to, to see those things. I'm curious from your perspective, do you, I'll admit, like whenever I hear about the combine f- risers or fallers or the the vast swings that take place over this week, it, it always gives me a little bit of pause. Like Orlando Brown falls out into the third round because of a terrible combine. And it's like, well, he was an All-American and he was a stud and, you know, that probably overreacted. And there's plenty of examples where it goes the other way as well. What is your take on what to make of what we see at the combine and all of the positional drills that take place? This this is a very, very important question anytime you're talking about player evaluation because um, I think the best way to do it is film should always be your underpinning. Like if, if and I t- if you guys see me on Twitter, I'm always going on about arm length. And the, the reason I do that is because if a guy has short arms and those short arms negatively impact him, clears day on film. I don't need to know his arm length to know that he's wait, struggling. Wait, wait, wait. Tyler Linderbaum would like a word. I know. And so... <laughs> Perfect example, shorter arms, completely undersized for a tackle, yet he's his best football for the Baltimore Ravens has been at offensive tackle. It's because he he, he has such good um, hand placement, such good timing. His punch is really good. He's got great footwork. Those things, again, all of that's on film. I don't really need the measurement to kind of put that together. So I think the best way to do it is it shows you potential. And so what I mean by that is if a receiver goes out and runs a 4-3. But then you watch him on film, and he's not running by anybody. He's not getting separation. Does that 4-3 matter? I would say yes, but in context. So it shows me what someone's potential might be, but you still have to make sure that it matches with what you're seeing on film. So the more data you get, and that goes with medicals, player interviews, all that good stuff, all the analytics that come with these guys, they're all data points that create this mosaic, but I complain about it every year. I, and it's because I'm a film guy by heart. Um, but, you know, we all go cuckoo bananas at the at the combine as guys fly up and down. Um, but if you do your homework, I think you see a lot of this on film. Um, but I really do, do think it speaks to potential. And that part's really important, especially with, you know, a guy like that I really wanted to see run last year. Like I wanted to see what Ojabo would run because mm-hmm. I thought he was going to kill it. And you know, he's twitchy, but just how twitchy is he? Or, um, you know, the talk about Trevor Penning last year and the stiffness in his hips, but then he came out and had a really good three cone. And so it's like, okay, maybe he worked on that. Right. So it also shows that development factor, how much better did guys get? Um, and I think there's something to be said about, it speaks to a player's work ethic, preparing for the combine. It's a long grind. Um, guys like Penning that earn some money by, you know, properly preparing and crushing his drills. Um, I think they deserve credit for that. And it kind of speaks to coachability. So those are kind of the things that I factor in. Uh, again, I'll always be a film guy, true and true, but these are important data points that we need. 
Well, I do think also that the Ravens have shown under Eric DaCosta, like I think that they've kind of swayed a little bit more towards taking some of these premier athletes that you see, you know, some, some freaks combine freaks, you know, for lack of a better term, like, you know, we saw that with OA. I mean, Kyle Hamilton, everybody knew he was an athletic freak. You know, uh, I mean, even Travis Boykin. Jones for a big guy. Yeah. Right? Bateman was a freak. Boy- uh, Boykin even. Yeah. Boykin, yeah. PQ, Justin Matabike was a freak. Bob Boykin is a really interesting one because, um, and we'll talk about one of their, uh, one of Notre Dame's prospects coming up, but they really do a good job preparing their guys for the combine because we saw mm. Boykin run insanely well. And then a year later, you see Chase Claypool do the exact same. At, and again, they got that buzz of being huge athletic specimens that also backed it up with the times. But then when you watch them run, you can see how well trained they are for the drills. And I find it just so fascinating to see some of these schools produce and you'll see it with Clemson this year. They have two guys on the defensive line that are going to absolutely crush the combine. Um, So it's, it's really interesting to me, but you got to be wary of that. And that's why you have to pair it to the film to make sure it shows up. Right. All right, so another need for the Ravens, obviously, is it pass rusher. You know, Justin Houston led the team in sacks last year. He's a free agent and, you know, in his early 30s. So the need could be there. Uh, who do you see at the edge that you think could be interesting in players that Ravens fans should watch for? There are some extremely twitchy guys um, coming out from that are kind of true 3-4 stand-up outside linebackers. Um, that when you think of the potential of matching these guys with a David Ojabo and the speed they can bring off the edge. Um, so the first would be Will McDonald at Iowa State. Um, I think he's kind of seen as a late first, early second type guy. Um, he really caught my eye watching Trevor Penning last year. And that's because um, at Northern Iowa, they play Iowa State every year. So I saw him in consecutive years, kind of being the toughest matchup penning face. Mm-hmm. And he's really that kind of twitchy guy. Um, he's 6'3", 236, so he's he's smaller, but he flies up the field. He's very explosive, um, had, a, had a measured vertical of 42 and a broad of 11, so should really crush those agility jumps um, where, they, where they kind of pop out at guys. Um, another one that uh, I think is going to get a lot of buzz is Andre Carter from Army. Um, he, he grew... I think he was measured at 6'5 last year. When he got measured this year, he's 6'7. He's 260 pounds. He had. He's still growing in late in college? Yeah, he has a 6'10. He's going to end up at (laughs) 7'5. Yeah, he's going to be. We got Yao Ming on the edge. Um, It's (laughs) it's crazy. And, uh, you know, again, another guy that is 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 insanely twitchy finished this year with 15 and a half sacks um another guy that's growing into his body really thin um reminds me a lot of ojabo just you know a guy that i think is going to bulk up and look a little bit different i I think we saw that with Oway a little bit too always body compositions a little bit different as his you know the the muscular strength through the weight program that he gets in the nfl is caught up to kind of his his height and his length um so you know he looks a lot different than he did as a rookie at least to me and i think andre carter's that type of guy a guy that should again absolutely crush the agility testing um and jump out of the gym so that's kind of two guys that i think are borderline first round talents that could be there for the ravens uh where they pick um another guy is nick hampton out of appalachian state um came in with some really impressive uh press numbers. I think he inclined press like 365 pounds, sumo deadlift, 600, um, has a broad of 10, six and vertical of 39. 
walked over 21 miles per hour on the GPS as an edge rusher. I believe he's actually a former uh, wide receiver from college. And uh, you guys might remember last year, we talked about uh, Dominique Robinson uh, in our combine preview. And then he went out, really killed it, got drafted well, had a pretty good rookie year, Um, converted wide receiver, much like Nick Hampton is. So a guy that I think needs to catch up in the football aspect of his development, but has those, that athleticism you can't teach. And that should really be on display at the combine. Hmm. So, you know, this is, it's still early, you know, no, our mock drafts aren't set in stone yet. Okay. So we're still just starting to fill them in. But one of the things that you, you can't start early enough on is nailing down the sleepers. And this is the time of year. Okay. That make basically hears anybody as a mid to late round prospect and, and says, that's my guy. He says oh, that I'm for about start planting 20. my flag soon. Yeah. I'm he starts start planting, planting his flags. flag, 20 different players, flags, <laughs> flags. I have many flags to play <laughs> 20 different players who he says he's going to take in his mock. That way, if they ever hit, he can say, I got, I told you. And yep. it's the same, it's the same story every year. When we had you on last year, Cole, we probably said the same thing. So Let's go ahead and start the process now. Um, do you see who do you see as the sleepers, you know, the mid to late round potential targets at these positions of need, receiver, edge, corner? A receiver, a guy that I think has potential to be really freaky is AT Perry out of uh, Wake Forest. 6'5, 205, should run in the four fours. Um, just one of those guys that when you're that big, that fast, and he shows on his tape really good contested catchability, which is really the key for a fast guy. Um, he's got the typical, not the best hands in the world like most deep threats do. But when he gets up at the above the rim against corners, he fights hard. Um, so that's a guy that I think is going to crush it at the combine, but also be a little bit of a sleeper in the draft. And I mean, I feel like he's not as much a sleeper anymore, but that's because I, you know, am in the Baltimore area of things and that's Rakeem Jarrett and that's just I think he's a guy that's not going to get drafted high um but has all of the potential in the world to be a really good NFL player um all of the speed good size um you know he had good production so I I really think he's got that kind of big upside potential so that's two receivers um when I look at corners I got to give a shout out to my guy, Mike Crawford, on this one. Riley Moss out of Iowa. He pops out because he's a white cornerback and there's just not many of them out there. But he was he, he crushed it at the Senior Bowl this year. Um, 6'1", 193. He's a freak track guy. Um, and I think he's going to actually go out there and top Zion McCollum's uh uh, agility numbers apparently by 0.1 of a second so a guy that earned a lot of money at the at the combine last year so um he's reportedly going to beat uh kevin king who set the record in 2017 with 3.89 so um in, in the sorry in the short shuttle uh which is really big for a cornerback but he also backs it up with some pretty good tape so and another iowa hawkeye we can't say no to them and uh another you love guy the hawkeyes uh, huh I do. Tyler Linderbaum made me a lot of uh, eat a lot of crow last year. So. <laughs> Plus Gino Stone, let's go. Yeah, yeah, heck of a year for Gino. Um, another guy that pops on the edge front just to kind of complete the top three needs um, is DJ Johnson out of Oregon. Again, another really green football player. He's a Miami transfer to Oregon. Um, didn't play a ton, six four two seventy five, but clocked a GPS time of two two point eight, which is or 22.8, which is, I mean, we're talking about wide receiver time. So again, another edge rusher with that twitch ability. Um, Guys that, you know, they're tough to trust because 
you know, they still got to develop the football side of things, but if, if give me one of those, one of those guys to pan out and I think you get a freak pass rusher. So um, those are kind of the guys where I'm going to have my, you know, they're going to be in a lot of my mock drafts so that I can retweet them in uh, next year at this time and look smart. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, the, the, the edge thing is like the Ravens have a good track record of finding mid to late round edge players. Just look at recent history. Judon was a fifth round pick Grand Valley state. Zedaria Smith also fourth round. He was a fourth round pick out of Kentucky late bloomer. So like, I have faith in their ability to find some of those ad- guys on the edge who can come in and be really dynamic players. So, you know, I'll go no, ahead. You, you, you thought you knew the script with the highly productive college pass rusher. And then they drafted Oway. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. <laughs> That's is. what we were all saying going into that. We were like, I don't know if they draft a guy who didn't have any sacks last year. And then back to the athleticism. Sometimes it's like they're willing to, you know, roll the dice on that. And and honestly, on the flip side, like when we had this conversation last year, we talked about Linderbaum because Linderbaum was, you know, Mel Kuyper was saying maybe they could take him in the first round. Like if you go back a year ago and, uh, and, and Cole, you, like you didn't think that was, I didn't really think it was going to happen either just based on the scheme fit. And it's just like, is that going to be the guy he's undersized? And like, he was basically like him and Owe are like the two opposite examples. Like Owe was the guy who like had this great combine, the athletic, you know, guy. And then Linderbaum was like, from like the combine standpoint, didn't light it up, but he had the great tape. It doesn't have the great size, but he had the great tape, you know, the great and movement it, skills of the combine. Obviously you saw that. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. You saw the movement skills. Um, it's just, it's just interesting. Like as you go through, as you teams go through the scouting process, like to the, the earlier point you made, like you have to marry those two things and it's, and that's the challenge. Well, what I want to know is who, who does Cole absolutely think the Ravens will not draft? Then we know that that guy's going. <laughs> yeah, put him in the. Who are they going to trade to get another first round pick to pick him? That's the question. Yeah, yeah, um, that's true. They didn't have two first round picks when we were making. That yeah, we'll give you a pass on that, Cole. <laughs> no, like I'm not kidding. I was doing a live broadcast during the draft, and as soon as I heard the trade come in, they get. I think they got 25 and then moved again, or 28 yeah. and then moved again. And I'm sitting here and I'm like. Oh my God, they're going to pick Tyler Linderbaum. I have so many tweets. I have to go erase. <laughs> I had to make uh, I had to make a couple donations because I was that sold. Uh, but but Garrett really nailed it. I mean, it was never about his, and I I hope I made this clear um, about him as a player. I, him as a player and as a prospect, I loved. Like I loved yeah. what he did on tape. It was just when you looked at their history of the center position. Not only had they not invested highly at it, um, and you knew he was going to go in the first 30 to 40 picks, um, but they just have always preferred a bigger guy. And I think it's a good lesson where you need to look at trends with the Ravens and their picks. With offensive linemen, for example, um, especially guards, they've never really gone solely for athleticism. They've really focused on high-achieving all-American type guards. Ben Powers, um, uh, Ben Bredesen, you know, those types of guys. Um, so I I think that you got to look at trends to try and be predictive, but all it takes is one pick for the trend to break. And Tyler Linderbaum's a good, uh, and so, you know, you try and like, when, when I hear EDC talk about a player, I'm like, okay, he's just, that's smokescreen. He's not going to take him. And then when he started talking about how much Yonda loved, uh, Loved Linderbaum. I should have been gone the opposite and been like, he's talking about him trying to throw me off there. For I know. I know. Him. He's good at that. He's good at the game. You never know which side of the coin he's playing. It's he's yeah. well, he's well skilled at that. Well, what's interesting, I think, is that, you know, Eric DaCosta is all about value. That's what EDC 
loves, right? And last year was, you know, kind of a case in point, and they draft these guys from positions that, generally speaking, aren't high-value positions, right? And in safety, center, you know, these aren't the quote-unquote premier positions, right? And But this year, you look at the Ravens' needs, and, you know, it's got to be at the, the top ones. You're talking wide receiver. It, those always go early. Corners go early. Edge rushers go early. I mean, right up there with left tackles and quarterbacks, right? Like, so it it, it kind of leaves me wondering, like, okay, how do they still get value at these positions of great need where everybody's looking for players at these positions? And so it makes me, like, wonder with all these guys, like, okay, what are you sacrificing? Like, like let's just say a Zay Flowers. You're sacrificing size right? Like what are they willing to sacrifice to get where they still feel like they're getting great value with that pick and player that, that, you know, Bijan Robinson would be another great example, right? Here's like a guy that the draft experts are saying he's a top five to 10 player in the draft, you know, but he plays running back, which isn't of of high value. So I don't know. That's just kind of where my head goes to with all this. No, it's a good point. And I think we saw it last year. Um, you know, they were getting guys in the fourth round that were talked about at one point being like early seconds, like Falele was like mm-hmm. kind of that early second type guy. And then again, he didn't run at the combine um, or I think he ran his pro day and ran a little slow. So he kind of dropped the way mm-hmm. um, we saw with Orlando Brown, just not having the great athletic testing numbers. Um, but, you know, it, it is an interesting thing because the Ravens rarely draft high um, and it's a real testament to, being consistently a good football team. Uh, So you're kind of falling out of that area where you can get those top guys at the premium positions. Mm -hmm. So it really does make sense as a, as a strategy to pick up, okay, well, we'll take, you know, the high rate safety that should be a five to top five, top seven player in the draft. And we'll take them at 16. Um, Or, you know, we'll, we'll grab Travis Jones in the third round because, you know, he's seen as just a nose tackle. Um, So I think they they've done a really good job with that, but You know, the other thing I guess I'd throw out there is if I had any critique over the last few years, it's like, let's see them do a trade up for um, a guy that, you know, might be someone that, you you know, like JSN, like if they want to get him, let's trade up and get him. Um, That's been one of my only critiques over the last few years is the problem this year is they don't have the ammunition. They lose on the road. At least I got Rokon Smith. That's that's the big thing. Yeah. Um, so I'll take that because uh, that's you know, the best pick of the draft right there. There it is. <laughs> second so round pick. I'll give up the second for that. Yeah. But yeah, it, it makes me think too, Cole, you know, of other positions that aren't necessarily the top three positions of need, you know, are there any other prospects, you know, whether it be a guard or, you know, obviously Ben Powers could leave him free agency, you know, is there a whatever, you know, a day two, day three quarterback, you know, even that they have to think about. Is there anybody in that uh, at some of those less sexy positions of need that you think Ravens fans should look out for at the combine? I I wouldn't discount the possibility of a running back this year. You know, Mm -hmm. JK's contracts coming up, who knows what the future is with Gus. Um, Braylon Allen out of Wisconsin really fits the Ravens and the way they like to play football. A guy that's 6'2", 235, had insane lift numbers um, and a 10-yard split of 1.49, which is 
very, very fast for a guy of his size. So um, really fits kind of the Raven style, I think. Um, so he's someone that I think you can get a little bit later. Um, when what about I was McIntosh, watching... Kenny McIntosh out of Georgia? I mean, we should probably yeah. all be looking at Georgia offensive players, right? I know. Like, who's going to know them better? And the interesting thing about McIntosh, and actually one of the reasons I was I, – I don't know if you guys saw, I was super high on Todd Munkin as an OC um, because mm-hmm. he was yep. so good at utilizing – two running backs, two tight ends. You know, we had Darnell Washington and Mm -hmm. uh, um, Brock Bowers. So it's like a guy that's coming into a two running back, two tight end type system where you have the personnel in place. What a good fit just to kind of merge in. Um, But yeah, no, definitely keep an eye on some of those Georgia guys, especially some of the offensive linemen. Um, But a guy that caught my eye last year when I was watching Cole Strange out of small school, um, uh, Tennessee Chattanooga, uh, was uh, McClendon Curtis, and he really played well at the uh, at the com or at the combine at the Senior Bowl. And so, what I think you're going to see with some of these offensive guards and with their combine numbers is maybe not as great testing numbers. But these guys are freakishly huge this year. Um, which, to my point earlier, is typically where you know the Ravens have kind of gone with some of their offensive guards. You know, you're usually looking at the bigger six four, six five guys. 320 plus pounds. Um, McClendon Curtis is 6'6, 330, um, had a deadlift of 775, power clean 345, um, and still had like he doesn't look like he looks like he can run. So he's a guy that could really go out there and crush it. Another one is Andrew Voorhees um, from cool last name too. Um, you know, <laughs> possibly his dad's name is Jason. I don't know. Um, but uh uh so I think he's a guy to keep an eye on out of USC. He's an older prospect, but 6'6", 325, has spent time at left guard and left tackle. Fits that versatility you see the Ravens like to get, kind of former tackles that can play guard and also kind of develop at both spots. Um, could be like kind of a third-round pick type guy. So um, I, I think there's quite a few offensive guards out there that uh, I, I'd be shocked if the Ravens come out of the draft without one of them. All right, wait, I, I have one guy to ask you about. Okay, talking about perfect names here. Xavier Truss. He's 6'6", 320 pounds. Big Truss. And from Georgia, come on. I'm putting my flag in right now. Big Truss. I haven't watched him in depth, but I mean, if if the name... If the I've always learned never speak to a player that you haven't watched in depth. (laughs) Smart man. It will bite you in the butt, um, but uh, he's, you know, I'm a big fan of names. You guys all remember, I came up with the yes. Nigerian mafia and then yeah. we, go out and we got it done. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, trust the names, follow the path of the names. Trust the names. Trust the names. Well done. <laughs> well, this has been awesome, Cole. Um, I feel ready. I feel ready for the combine now. Get prepped. ready for these freaks, man. I'm telling you, it's going to be one of those years where you're seeing guys doing things at sizes they shouldn't be doing those things at. And I'm hoping we get an update on the 40-yard dash time of Ryan Mink because I remember Ooh. last year you were gloating about that miles per hour when you were doing the running uh, at the speed sign. So I'm hoping that's a – where are we at now? Like 13 it, miles per hour, 14? Where are we at? Oh, it's precipitously dropped. <laughs> I can tell you that much. <laughs> you're talking about you're talking about big people doing things they shouldn't i'm just a big person who you look at me and you're like yeah he runs if slower if not uh you know that fast if not slower than than what he looks you know <laughs> he doesn't he looks slow and he runs slow that's right exactly. slow i deliver on, on expectations <laughs> you look the part 
love exactly. It. Well, thank you, Cole. And it, Cole. Uh, for everybody out there, make sure you check out Cole. Uh, he does a great job with all of his draft coverage at on uh, on Twitter at Cole Jackson FB. Thank you, Cole. Thanks a lot, guys. Hopefully, chat soon. Thanks, Cole. Have a good one. All right, great stuff from Cole. Also, we want our listeners to know that the sports landscape is ever-changing. This week is no different. DraftKings is a leader in daily fantasy sports, and it still has daily fantasy contests running for those who are looking to have skin in the game. Every player has a salary associated with drafting them. You assemble a lineup of players, stay under the salary cap, and then you sit back and you watch your points pile up. Now you know how to play. Download the DraftKings app today. Sign up using the code FLOCK. New users will get a free entry with their first deposit. The code is flock at DraftKings. So the other part here, uh, Ryan, is in in addition to the player workouts, is we get to hear from both Eric DaCosta and John Harbaugh during the combine. Most GMs and head coaches do press conferences during combine week, so that's a big piece of the attraction. Both of them are talking on Wednesday. Uh, Eric at one o'clock, John at two o'clock. We're going to stream those press conferences for you live. But if you don't get a chance to watch them live, well, then you can still listen to them in their entirety on our new Ravens podcast feed. Ravens Press Pass just launched recently. Uh, So make sure you're subscribed to that. And that's where all press conferences are going to go in their entirety. So you get to listen to the entire thing. Um, So that'll be out later this week with those pressers from both John and and Eric again, subscribe to that. The, the podcast is called Ravens Press Pass. So, um, what was your takeaway from after from from what we heard from Cole here today? Well, I think that you know there's going to be some. Uh, I'm sure players that come out of the combine that come out of Indy, and we're all like, yeah, get go get that guy, like Quentin Johnston. You know, the wide receiver out of TCU, who's been linked to the Ravens a lot. Like, if he runs, you know, on sub four fours at his size everybody's going to be saying, go draft that guy, right? And so I, I think that there are, I mean, these these guys that come out of college these days are just, it's unbelievable what they can do athletically. And so, yeah, I'm intrigued. It sounds like despite all the chatter about, you know, well, it's not a great wide receiver class and all this stuff, like, well, they might put up some numbers that say otherwise. Right. Yeah, that's that's the thing that I think I'm I'm most interested in is the receiver position. Oh, for and sure. that's not like exactly uh, groundbreaking news here. I mean, that's I would say that most what most Ravens fans are probably interested in. But I'm curious to see like, are there any of those guys, whether it's a Quentin Johnson, Jackson Smith, mm-hmm. and Jigba, mm-hmm. who all of a sudden it's like, oh, they're they're top ten. They're not going to be there. Like who, whoever whoever it is, right? Jordan Addison. Yeah, Jordan Addison, that oh, you're like, yeah, oh, maybe really we can talk get about, this guy. But... And then it's like, nah, actually, you have no shot to get this guy. Well, Jalen Hyatt would be the, the guy out of Tennessee who, uh, you know, Cole touched on. If he runs what he's apparently saying he's going to run, mm-hmm. I mean, now all of a sudden he's kind of, you know, expected to be uh, probably picked after 22. You know, people are saying like late, late first round, if not early second, like he seems kind of a brink guy. But if he runs what he's talking about running, and then he's like, well, yeah, I just won, you know, the wide receiver of the year award. You know, mm-hmm. it's going to be tough to say uh, he's not going top 20. Right. So yeah. it's going to be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, it's always, it's just like, there's always a couple of guys, like I mentioned to Cole, like rise and fall that, that jump up or fall down, however it goes. 
And I do sometimes think that like when you're in it, like when it's combine week and mm-hmm. you see someone have a great time or a great workout, you get a little bit like it's it's like this recency bias thing where you like you probably I think overplay it a little bit. Like even if you go back to that 19 draft, like I remember we spent a ton of time talking about DK Metcalf. I was asking like Joe Ortiz about him and that was like, he was like one of the biggest talking points. And then he went and he ran a great time and had good workouts. And then he still went late in the second. It was like, yeah, but after, after all that, he skyrocketed up the mock draft boards. I know somehow came way back down. I know it was literally like the stock market these days. Yeah, I know that's not, that's (laughs) what I'm saying though. So it's like when you're in it, like next week, there's going to be a couple of guys who are all of a sudden like, but, but, I often say this by the end of by the end of the combine, you have 50 first round picks. Yeah, you know, exactly. 50 guys are mentioned as first round picks. And like that's that's certainly how it's going to be again. And you have to sort of sift through that. And I do give the Ravens, I, I actually think that's one thing that like Eric DaCosta and the Ravens front office is, is just really good at is assessing the value and determining like where guys are going to go. Like I've heard stories of like them being in the draft room and being like, well, this team's going to take this guy, that team's going to take that guy. And like just being really skilled at, at being able to predict where certain guys go. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that they're good at sifting through like the positive, you know, the press, the workouts, all that stuff um, mm-hmm. that, that we're going to hear a lot about over the course of the next week. I'll say this on, on cornerback, you know, we talked about Ringo Kelly Ringo from Georgia I don't know that the Ravens are like a um, freak freak cornerback uh, kind of drafting team. You know what I mean? Like like when he was talking about Ringo and it's like, well, he's track guy, like great athlete. But, you know, the tape, you know, like I'm like, no, no, mm. no. I, like I think they like, you know, physical. I mean, he's got to be able to run, right? Marlon Humphrey can run. But like Marlon yeah. Humphrey, you wouldn't call him like an insanely like he's not a burner, you know, corner. Right. Um, like to me, that's kind of more their MO is like some of these tougher guys. I mean, Daniel Jeremiah in his most recent draft, speaking about Alabama corners, you know, he has another one going to the Ravens, uh, with Brian branch out of Alabama. So, uh, you know, physical, all that stuff, like guys that really have great tape. I think if, if we're talking about a first round corner with the Ravens, which I think is certainly a possibility, if it's not wide receiver, I would bet that it would be a corner. Um, then like, that's, I don't know that I'm really looking to the combine to say, okay, who's the most freakish cornerback. That's who the Ravens I think could take at 22. Yeah. That's interesting. I don't know. I don't know if I agree with you on that. I I feel like when they've taken first round corners, they have certainly hit like the, the athletic intangible level. Like, I mean, Jimmy 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 Smith. the he six wasn't foot a burner, two. but he was like the size. Yeah, right. size for sure. And Marlon ran a, I just double checked it because I was like, I'm, he, I mean, he was a track star throughout his high school and college career. And he ran a 4-4-1, which yeah. like isn't good. like the right. fastest, but 4 one is very good. Pretty darn good. Yeah. Um, And he is like, he also is a bigger corner. Like he's not yeah. at all. So I don't know. I, I feel like when they've taken their first round corners, I mean, go back to Chris McAllister. He certainly fit the mold of a big Jimmy was that way. Marlon yep. was that way. I don't know if there's any that I'm missing, but at the corner position, when they draft those guys early, they seem to like kind of be the corner that you would draw in a lab, like good speed, good side. Jimmy was just like, Jimmy was so big. Right. Um, but I, I don't know. I might be with Cole on that one. I'm not, I'm not rolling out his guy Ringo. Dwayne Starks is the other one. I knew there was another one. Yeah. Yeah. Dwayne Starks is the other. Um, 
Yeah. We're going, we're going yeah, back. I don't know. There's there. a lot it, wide receiver and corner. It's interesting. There's a lot of them that are kind of projected in these early mocks in the late first round, you know, in the twenties uh-huh. is, is what it seems like. And so, you know, if you're, you gotta be encouraged about that, you know, now maybe all, all those wide receivers go right before the Ravens or, or whatnot. Um, but it's, it seems like I will be interested to see how the, boards stack up among the draft analysts after the combine to really see, okay, this one seems like they'll probably be there for the Ravens at 22. You know what I mean? Like sorting out the order, the pecking order of where those guys come in at. Yeah, totally. So it's going to be an interesting week. Um, Obviously when Harbaugh and DaCosta meet with the media, they're going to get lots of questions from the national. Indianapolis will be whatever they say about Lamar. Yeah, that's going to be a big talking point, um, no, without question, on Wednesday. Again, we'll carry those press conferences for you live on our app or website, YouTube channel, Facebook page. Uh, so follow us across all of our social platforms and make sure that you are subscribed to the Ravens Press Pass podcast uh, to get those full presser recaps uh, once they are done, those pressers in their entirety. So it's going to be a busy week. I'm also hoping to catch up with some of the draft es- experts out in uh, Indianapolis, Daniel Jeremiah, Charles Davis, and other folks uh, who know the draft incredibly well. So hoping to talk with those guys while we're there. So lots of stuff. There's lots happening this week. Uh, Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you again soon.